0: This is Around the Rim with China Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right. Or maybe your favorite time of every two weeks or every three or every month because, you know, we've been slacking. But anyway, it's a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim I am your host, LaChina Robinson. Yes, I am under the weather. I slept under a fan when, before I left home, and I am just sick. I was sick on the last, last podcast. Like, basically, I just need some rest. But anyway, so forgive me um, for the sound of my nasally voice, but I am excited because we are back at full speed today. We've got our fantastic and fabulous producer, Trika Foster Brasby, and the birthday girl who made uh, some time for us in her schedule, two-time WNBA champion, Devereaux Peters. Happy birthday, Dev.
2: Thank you. My voice is a little off, too, because, you know, I was celebrating this weekend, so. I was going to say, you were a partying.
1: What did you do? Well, okay, <laughs> we'll save that for the fourth quarter, because I know Tarika has a little out of bounds. She wants to do for your birthday, so I'm not going to mess up her little rundown. <laughs> um, but we're going to get back to that. Don't giggle, Tarika. <laughs> Okay. I've had to deal with Tariqa in person for the last two out of three days. So just so y'all know. She
3: loves me. She misses me already.
1: My cup is all the way to the tippy top. But um, fans, we've got a great show for you. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about, including this amazing WNBA final series that we're getting right ahead to a game five. That's right. If you haven't heard, game five between the Washington Mystics in the Connecticut Sun will take place Thursday, 8 p.m. ESPN2. Um, the series has shifted back to Washington. Each team has won on each other's home court. So that really hasn't been a factor. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the drama in L.A. It's a lot going on there. Um, some recent comments by the NBA Players Association. I don't know if she's CEO, president. One of those, Michelle Roberts, that sparked a lot of conversation. We'll get into that. And, um, yeah, whatever else we feel like talking about. Well, first of all, Dev, I just want to ask you, because we covered a lot on the last podcast. You weren't here. You didn't even get to, number one, address your Vegas team that you picked to win the championship and why they're not here and all the drama with Liz. You you didn't even get to comment on that. So would you care? Is there anything you want to address from the semifinals? Dierica shot like you just totally have been absent.
2: I really have. Um, let's see. I for one, I still owe Dierica dinner for her shot and keeping us oh. alive just long enough. To make it past y'all teams, did y'all picked at the beginning of the season? So at the end of the day, I still won. <laughs> so <Whatever. laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> taking her to dinner, Erica. When you're in Chicago, let me know. I got you. Love oh. the Liz trash talk. That you know was really exciting. Really, so the upset. weight room
1: thing. What would the weight room thing do for you if you were on the other team? Like, oh yeah, I, I think room. it
2: was a poor. I think it was poor timing. However. I live for stuff like that, so I had—I was thoroughly enjoying the comments because I am the queen of trash talking. So I enjoyed she it. Is. I don't think it was the proper time. I think that that fired DC up. To be honest, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it was the right time for it. But I mean, I I like the trash talking. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure didn't Natasha Cloud say she guarantees a win Thursday as well? Yeah. So I'm here Can for we- all of this are you,
1: let me just say this real quick. Like honestly, and I tweeted this yesterday. This is just a little for everybody listening. We're going to get into, you know, the hardcore stuff in a minute, but this trash talking thing has started to get to me a little bit. And I tweeted this because I think I heard Jasmine Thomas in, um, what was it? Oh yeah. So it was in the game, the presser after game four. And she was like, You know, people were thinking we were going to roll over, like basically responding to a question about, you know, them making it to the championship. And I'm like, who is still saying stuff about Connecticut? Like, I I am all for the disrespect campaign because I think it's fueled their players and it's fired them up. But I'm just speaking as someone who would have played on the other team. Like, I'm a little bit over, like Courtney Williams saying, I can get any shot I want to. Like, if I'm your teammate, I'm like, dude. Chill with that because game three, she actually didn't get every shot she wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be real careful about the trash talk stuff because, like you said, Dev, you can fire a team up. I think Connecticut completely fired up about things that people were saying in July. Like, please resurrect it if that's what y'all need to do. But I don't think anyone has really questioned them being a championship contender in at least the last month and a half. Now, the way they've done it, yes. I mean, did I think L.A. was going to win a game? Yeah. But I just don't know. There's just so much. I don't know. I don't
3: know know about that now. The role player comment that came out was definitely in September. That was not in July. And when you look at the national um, coverage, if you will, about who decidedly was supposed to win it all. Nobody picked Connecticut. I know here at ESPN all of our analysts who decided to make a prediction predicted that it would be Washington. So I but think that Connecticut won. still has but they still a- haven't
1: won. That's that's very listen, that's still very relevant that people picked Washington because we have a game five. Like that you have not won anything yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't. I I don't know. I don't think I picked L.A. to make it. I don't I didn't pick L.A. to make it past Connecticut. So but no, but they didn't know that.
2: I mean, I think as a player, as a as a player, I think that you don't say that out loud. You may say it on the court and you may talk to, you know, like the team. But saying it, you know, in the media isn't always smart because it just gives, you know, like fuel to the other team. Um, and I think you have to be smart with your trash talking, but as a fan, I'm enjoying it, so <laughs> i <not>, I
1: think, <laughs> I I think I, it makes
2: it that much more exciting so i'm I'm here for it.
1: I just felt bad that Jasmine had to address that at this point, like they've already won two games in the finals they're going to a game five, and she's still talking about people thinking that they were going to roll over. Like, I I I haven't seen that. But I get what you're saying about the role players' comments, Rika, which, okay, that's fine. But they've been throwing a lot more out here than that. It's brilliant. It's entertaining. I just get worried when people start doing too much yapping because I know what that does to the other team. You know what I mean? Like, Liz Cambage now knows what that does to the other team. Like, you just need to you need to stay humble because it was Diana Tarazi that had to shut Courtney Williams down two years in a row. Cause she had got a little bit out of pocket and I love Courtney. I've covered her since her USF days. I think she is great for the game. I'm loving all the coverage of her. Her dad is like dream dad, right? Like he is down. He is like supporting his daughter. I'm all, I'm all here for it. You just gotta be real careful in this league, honey, because people never forget.
3: Well,
2: and you're going to hear about it later. So they sure better back am. it
3: up. You sure will. And, uh, with that, let's talk about, uh, let's go into our first quarter so we can talk about something that I'm sure Connecticut want to forget. First quarter. Um, and that is game three. They want to forget that because they looked horrible <laughs> in game three, um, on, on sun, uh, Sunday. Um, so just like a quick recap on that so that we can get into what was a phenomenal game four. Um Connecticut lost 94-81 on Sunday. Um they looked like a very different team. Um just the game before John Coyle Jones had a stellar performance, 32 and 18, but Sunday came around, the MVP returned for Washington. Didn't really look a uh I thought she looked stiff personally, didn't think that she moved very well, but it kind of didn't matter. She still finished with 13 points and six boards. She still played 26 minutes and whether you've got her for 10% or a hundred percent, you still got to guard her. You still got to worry about her and she's still going to impact um, anybody that is, is going to have to face her. So with that, um Connecticut was looking at a uh, losing home court or had lost home court advantage heading in to game 4. They were down in the series 2-1. Um but last night was a tale of two teams. Uh they started the game out firing on all cylinders. I mean, they put together quite a first half performance. Um they led by as much as 18 points. They were up 56 to 40 at the half and so before we go into the second half um, of of how that game turned out um, right after the uh halftime I'm sorry right before halftime Courtney Williams actually uh stopped for a moment to chat with our Holly Rowe um, and she spoke a little bit about why her team was so energized
0: Connecticut looking to force a game five Thursday. Courtney Williams doing her best to make that happen, Holly.
2: Well, Courtney, your defensive commitment is completely different tonight. Why did you change? Why did I change, man? Because we got to win. You know, I was a little bit off last game, um, but I'm back against the walls, man. We can't take no plays off. You've already got more shots tonight than you had all of the last game. How have you gotten yourself going offensively? I'm doing the same thing I was doing last game. I'm just being a lot more aggressive this game. Like I said, man, pressure, bust pipes, and make diamonds, baby, and we out here.
1: (laughs) I mean, how can you not love her? How can you? She's a walking soundbite. Like, she has so much confidence. And guess what? She has the game to back it up because she doesn't need a screen. She doesn't need anybody to step up and do anything for her. She can go get shots when she wants them. Now, I thought we were talking about game three, but it looks like we're talking about game four now.
3: Yeah, we're not going to spend too much time on game three. Um, That's because, one, we are limited on our time on this podcast right now, and number two, because Connecticut lost. I'm a Connecticut fan, so, yeah, we're moving yeah, on. Yeah, you're
1: going <laughs> to push past that. Anyway, Dev, I'll let you
2: start. What you think? Um, I thought in game four, initially, I mean – Connecticut had great energy, and you clearly saw that this was a deciding game, and they knew that, and, and that's how they came out, and they came out ready. And, but I also felt like D.C., they didn't look like themselves in the first half. Um, they're known for moving the ball really well um, and, and getting good shots, um, making the right pass, and it felt like in the first half they were playing a ton of one-on-one. Um, and not moving like they do and making the extra passes, and it showed because they weren't getting good shots. And when you're playing a team like Connecticut who's great in transition, you have to be able to put the ball in the basket and slow them down. Um, so I felt like, you know, Connecticut was able to really do what they wanted to do in the first half, but then being a vet team, D.C. came back out in the second half and just knew what they had to do and turned the tables and were able to, like, play their game, get the shots that they needed to get. And, I mean, at, at, by the end of the game, everybody was hitting big shots. It was absolutely ridiculous. I, I, <laughs> this has been an extremely fun series for that reason because it seems like at the end of the game, there's always somebody stepping up to hit some huge shots, and those have been the deciders to see who's going to win the game. Um, and this game, it just felt like they were going back and forth, and in it, in it, in it was a lot of fun. But D.C. really came into their own, and I felt like, that vet mentality um, is why they were able to come back in that game from being down what sixteen or eighteen or whatever it was. Um, and Connecticut, you know, being new to this position, um, they were more capable of losing that lead. But I just felt like Connecticut knew that this was a game that they had to win. Um, and DC, for whatever reason, it was it was kind of weird too because. In the same sense of them being a the vet team, you, I really thought that they were going to come out fully prepared and especially being so close to a championship, um, knowing how bad that they want this. I, it was kind of weird to see them come out that flat. Um, but uh, Connecticut did a great job. Alyssa Thomas had a ridiculous game. She's kind of been crazy this entire series to be, and playing with the injuries that she's playing with and being able to hit free throws with two torn labrums and having completely change her shot Um, she was extremely clutch for Connecticut and I thought that was like the difference maker in them being able to pull it out
1: yeah I mean I was not at all shocked by the way the game started um, because I knew Connecticut was going to come out and punch like to me in in the series the story's been whoever wins the first quarter wins the game but Connecticut's youthfulness when they're, when they're channeling that, which means using their speed and transition and, you know, they've, their energy on the glass and they're pressuring the ball. Like when they're playing their style of play and that's what they did from the beginning of this game, like they look like they could just blow the Washington out, you know, the speed, like they look like they were fast, much faster than Washington and that, um, the Mystics look like they were, running in mud sometimes, honestly. Now, going back to Elena Deladon, completely heroic what we're seeing from her right now. Like, I I can't even imagine, you know, like the type of pain she's playing through. You can tell her body. It's interesting because those of us that have watched the league for a long time, like you can tell right away when somebody takes a shot if it's not their normal mechanics. I felt the same way when I saw Diana Taurasi playing her first game, ironically, at Connecticut, returning back from her injury. And I was like, okay, super stiff. Um, You know, but the fact that she just, all she has to do is hit shots and that's what she does. That's what she did in game three. I mean, she basically just hit open shots, you know. Um, I, I think in game three, Connecticut was taken off, like, totally off guard by the fact that she was out there on the court. Cause nobody knew if she was going to play or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that messed them up. So they were starting at least game four with the knowledge that, Hey, she's out there playing, but anyway, they, they can, they can deliver a powerful punch. You know, when Connecticut is playing to their strengths and what Washington's strengths are. And I agree with you, Dev, is the way they move the ball. Um, you know, their passing and then their ability to hit shots. Well, Connecticut took away some of their space um, Christy Tolliver also was not moving well for the whole first half of that game. Like something happened to her back. I don't know what she was doing. She looked like she was stretching sometimes and just was not moving very well. Totally different from the performance we saw from her in game three. And to me, she is the key for them on offense. Like she keeps the ball moving. She can hit the tough shots. She is, you know, the veteran, the player, um, who's won a championship on the team. So When she started off slow, I knew it was going to be hard for the team. The other thing is Emma went 0 for 5 in the first half. Emma will probably never go 0 for 5 and a half again in her life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you kind of felt like the third quarter, you were like, okay, Washington is only down, what, 10 or 12 or something like that at half, maybe 14. They were
3: down 16 at the half.
1: Right. You felt like they should have been down 25 with the way that Washington looked versus – Connecticut and so like a veteran team Washington goes in the locker room and this is the thing about them to me that could be the difference in this series is they are so unbothered I don't mean to say that they're not competitive but they don't ride an emotional wave it doesn't take like an outburst or an and one or anything to get them playing at the top of their game they are so mature emotionally and that's no knock to Connecticut because the way they do things helps them but I just think poise and composure at the end of the day, the team that can um, execute is the team that has success. Now, execution did not happen for Washington in the last two minutes of that game, and that's why they lost. Like, they did not score a basket. The best offense in the WNBA did not score a basket for the last two minutes. I thought I heard on the broadcast Holly say that Mike Tebow um, said that, you know, they need to drive to the basket, you know, whenever they can. I'm thinking to myself, they need to just take whatever open shot they can get you know, like, this is a knockdown team. They get a look. You need to shoot it. But they went to Cloud late off of the drive, which I'm just saying, if you got Elena Deladon on the floor, I love Cloud. Big fan of hers. But EDD didn't touch the, the ball enough. Tolliver needs to have the ball in her hands. Emma obviously has proven she can deliver. So, to me, Washington didn't put themselves in a position to have offensive success in the last two minutes. And, again, not to take anything away from Connecticut, As a matter of fact, you're right about Lisa Thomas. The fact that she knocked down those free throws, I'm like, this she is half human, only half. <laughs> right. She is clearly in a lot of pain and has just been a monster in the series. But, um, you know, they shot 26 free throws, which says to me that they were applying pressure off of the bounce. You know, they were just the quicker team. And Washington only has one day to to figure it out. Um, physically, whether that's Deladon or who said she's feeling better but had to travel today and sit on a flight or, you know, Tolliver, if that's the case. But I'm also wondering about Ariel Atkins because I don't think she played at all in the fourth quarter, and that kind of that kind of got me. I was like, wait, I thought she was, like, doing pretty well. Now, I wasn't paying close enough attention to see if she was messing up on defense or something. I don't know. And I love powers, so it's a hard lo- little toss-up of who you're going to take off the court. But I thought Atkins really, really hit some big shots when they needed it and, uh, was surprised that she wasn't a factor late in the game.
3: I think one of the biggest things that, um, stuck out to me is if you recall in game three, Christy Tolliver really talked about how, um, they had a, a piss poor rebounding effort against, uh, Connecticut in game two. Um, that game she mentioned, you know, if you don't address the problem, then it's gonna, it's like a boomerang. It's just gonna keep coming back and they out crashed boards like they they out rebounded Connecticut in that game 34 to 27 as a team and last night, I feel like that was one of those things. And when you talk about a uh, trash talk or I don't even think Christie necessarily meant it to be like a trash talk kind of intention, but I think Connecticut heard that and, and realized like, yeah, cause that was one of the things that stood out to me the most from game three to game four is that they decided to get back inside more. John Quill Jones touched the ball inside the paint a little bit more. They out rebounded DC 39 to 29 more. Um, so those second chance points made a difference, which is something that they just did not at all do in game three. Now, mm-hmm. as we look ahead to game five um, in D.C., as you mentioned, LaChina, the team mm-hmm. that seems to have come out with the most energy in the first quarter uh, throughout this series has been the team to close it out. So going into D.C. where that home crowd is ridiculous and they really make you feel Every bit of not having home court advantage. LaChina, I'll start with you. What do you think are some things that Connecticut needs to do to try to keep that first quarter balanced?
1: Um, that's a great question, Tarika. Um, you're such a good moderator. Uh, so, I do my best. Um, <laughs> can't give her no compliments. Um <laughs> So, I mean, a home court is big, right? Like, that's what you fought all season for as the number one seed. And so you you want a home court advantage. But I don't think Connecticut's afraid of that because they've won there. And the best part of this playoffs for me has been watching teams grow up through the playoffs, right? So, like, we saw that with Vegas. Like, they became a better team every time they stepped out on the floor, and it's like they did something successful and they're like, oh, we can do that. We can go back to that. Like Plum, you know, says, oh, gosh, you know, like I had a good game. I can go back and do that again. And, and that changed the series. Or um for Connecticut, oh, we won on their home court. So now it's like that experience then grows your team a little bit more. So I don't think they are intimidated by home court. But as far as the strategy for the first quarter, um for Washington to to try to get ahead or be better than they were. Um, I, I just think it comes down to everything we've talked about, them moving the ball, them playing their game. They've got to hit shots. Like They just didn't hit shots in that first quarter that they would normally – or the first half that they would normally make or didn't take shots. So relying on their offense, which then helps their defense, which keeps – um, which keeps Connecticut out of transition. They got to take care of the ball. You know, Washington has been turning the ball over way more than what you're used to seeing. So don't fuel the beast. And when Connecticut starts going and they're in transition and they're speeding the game up, when they're able to speed Washington up, that's when um, the Mystics get in trouble because those shots get tighter and those rotations defensively get quicker. So, um, those are a couple of things that I definitely think they can do to control the beginning of the game, and for Connecticut, opposite, like get out, get in their faces, use your quickness, use your speed, gamble some on defense, just take the the stability and the pace out of washington's offense and see how they react. Deb, you've been
3: in this position before where you were literally hours away from a game clincher um for a WNBA championship just kind of tell us a little bit about from a player's perspective you know where you are mentally in these moments
2: it's um exciting but I feel like to be completely honest like (laughs) playing on a team like Minnesota is not really nerve-wracking because (laughs) it's like I don't know being on that team it was kind of like you aren't really worried um you just have that confidence that as long as you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be fine. Um, and I kind of feel like that's pretty much what it's been for like Connecticut and DC, especially in those like first quarters, like whoever's playing their game, the best, like playing how they play the best is the one that they're winning those for that first quarter. So like last game, DC was like playing one-on-one all the time and trying to do all these drives and not passing the ball and that's why they look like crap and got terrible shots. And then the game before in game three, you know, uh, Connecticut wasn't really running, um, and they weren't getting the ball to uh, Jonquil that often and not getting her involved um, as much as she should have been. And so it's like each game, it's like whoever is playing their game the best is the one that starts off better. Um, And I feel like that's kind of what that – mentality is because once you get to the finals, the good teams, you know, everything about each other pretty much at this point, like, you know, all of each other's plays, especially when you get to a game five, like, you know, everything that they're running, you know what they're trying to do, you know, all the players tendencies. So it's just about who has the, who is going to put forth the effort um, and has the drive to do the stuff that they know that they can do. Um, and who's going to put forth their will to get that stuff done? And it's it's really just effort at that point because you know each other. You've been playing each other all year, and at this point, like, you're here for a reason. So um, it's really all about that mentality and just coming to the game and being like, okay, having that confidence. Like, we know what we have to do. Um, we know how, why we won the games we won, and we just have to go out and do that for the entire game to get this championship.
1: What years did you play in Minnesota again, Dev? Twelve to fifteen.
2: So you
1: won in thirteen and fifteen. Mm-hmm. Ha- so you have you lost in the finals? I guess twenty twelve. You did.
2: Yeah, to in Indiana.
1: You know, and that's the team. That Indiana team is the team that I feel like Connecticut is like, or could be like. Like I yeah. remember watching Indy, like because y'all obviously had an amazing team right like your offense was just unstoppable but Indy just dug deep you know like they were so yeah. physical with Simone I remember beyond guarding Simone Augustus like her life depended on it and every 50-50 ball and the energy it just it was almost like crazy to watch because they were a huge underdog in my mind and but they use their strength to their advantage. They weren't the prettiest team, but they ended up being the grittiest team. And that's what I think Connecticut has in them. If they can find that consistently for 40 minutes.
2: I agree. Cause that, I mean, Indiana that year, they, they had that, like that fast break. We're going to be all up in your face for 40 minutes. We're going to make ref call fouls. They can't call all of them type of team. Right. they are going to be all up in your face, you know? um and, We had a vet team that I think even in that, especially in that year, they were really worn out by the end of the year. Like So by the time we got to the finals, they were dog tired, like Mm. exhausted. And having to play a team where you're like fighting every moment, where they're always in your face, you don't get any plays off, you can't even make a cut without getting hit, that's tiring. You know what I mean? Like that's exhausting Mm. and having to fight through that against a team like that. It's really difficult. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you with uh, Connecticut being like that. And if they're able to push the pace and really get um, D.C. out of what they run um, and get them out of their rhythm, I absolutely think they have a chance.
1: To that point, the bench, like this is, these are a couple, I'm Tarika, you didn't ask me for that, for this, but I'm going to say a couple factors that I think, and even a couple players that I think will come into play with who wins this game Connecticut has had to play their starters a lot. So they did last night, especially Alyssa Thomas. And as as great as she's been, there's been some moments in the game where I'm like, she looks dog tired, but they have been beating up on Washington this whole series physically, you know? And so that could actually come into to play in a game five if Washington just feels beat up, you know, because I do feel like Connecticut has been the more physical team. John Cole Jones and I love her and if you notice she doesn't talk a lot of crap she's got a very humble you know fine for those that do but I just love her as a person as a player she's gonna have to have a big night for Connecticut and on the other end for um for Washington I think it comes down to their x-factor either Ariel Powers Ariel Atkins somebody Shatori Walker Kimbrough has been playing more like it's going to be Tiana Hawk. It's going to be one of them, one of their support group people that is going to be to me, the difference maker, because, you know, Emma's going to do her thing and Tolliver, Della Don, all that. So anyway, those are my little factors that I just decided to throw out there on my own.
3: No, actually, that was great because I was getting ready to ask uh, you what are some key factors for each team that, we think you know is going to need in game five and you already answered it that's ESP see being around me for three days has actually yeah. helped. Oh, lord.
1: yes <laughs> watch her eat ribs listen I, we can't even get sad well we don't have time go ahead we'll have to talk about you on the next podcast
3: well you know what before we end our WNBA finals chat um I need predictions who wins
2: it all Dev who you got who I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say DC just because it's home court. Courtney, please do not. If you listen to this, please don't come for me like you come for I, Ari. Please, oh my okay? gosh, Cause she I'm did not. <laughs> I don't want she, no smoke.
3: <laughs> she gave
2: Ari that. Please, smoke. <laughs> I don't want no smoke. It's literally because of home court advantage. I, I, I don't. I think you guys are evenly, you know, matched up and everything else. So please don't come for me. <laughs> I'm gonna go with DC. With China.
1: I'm going to go with D.C. because they have the MVP. And Elena said she feels about 80%, I believe, like after that last game. And I'm like, okay, y'all in trouble. Because the healthier she feels, the better she feels. Like she didn't come this far to lose. She's not putting her back out here for nothing. That's the one thing that's missing from her resume. If they can shut her down, then, hey, I will swallow these words. But to me, there's no shutting her down like I just believe that she's that good and she's that hard of a matchup. Um so to me Washington wins um and Elena she I don't know if she can be the finals MVP at this point cuz Emma might have locked that thing up. But yes. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, if she puts on like a huge performance, she absolutely can cuz I think she gets them over the hump.
3: Yes, I'll be the lone person to say Connecticut. We knew where you were going. We knew (laughs) exactly where you were going. Yeah, but honestly, I'm going to say Connecticut because I genuinely think that this is going to be John Quill's time to shine. And, you know, they've talked a lot about that team not having that one megastar, that one person that can literally call the team their own. And I think that... Um, this is going to be her opportunity to do that. Not even necessarily saying that she wants that or anyone else, because they work well. I wrote a piece for the undefeated about how they remind me of the '04 four Pistons. They were a defensive team that didn't need one player to carry them because every night it was somebody different who could contribute something different. And I see that in Connecticut. And so I think that along with Natasha cloud guaranteeing a win, girl, you didn't them for real. That's what's going to be the difference on tomorrow night, Thursday night. So, Everybody, make sure you are tuned in to ESPN on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Do not miss it. Do not be the person who will have to regret missing out on what we are sure to be an amazing game five. All right. Second quarter it is. Second quarter inside the huddle. So just to give you guys some WNBA news and updates, we just want to, um, one, continue to give a shout-out to a WNBA legend, Teresa Weatherspoon. Um, Last show, we gave her a lot of love for being enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame, and not a month later, she was offered a position in the NBA with the New Orleans Pelicans, she is going to now serve as the two-way player development coach. Um, she's the 11th female assistant coach in the league. And that has been since Becky Hammond being the first in 2014. And so this is an exciting opportunity. Just wanted to give both of you an opportunity to uh, share your thoughts on what this means for women's basketball players, for someone like Teaspoon, um, and what the Pelicans are going to have, uh, in their back pocket with her being on their, on their, on their staff. La China, we can start with you.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, y'all already know I'm, I'm feeling a little salty because that's just been my honest take about a lot of the women that are leaving our game and going to the NBA. It makes me sad. I'm happy, obviously. I understand how big it is for young women to see these coaches get jobs in the NBA. And if that's what they want to do, I want them to be happy. But I just want to know what, What that means for us, (laughs) because um, Teaspoon should have been a a coach in our league and she never made it to that point. And I'm going to we're hoping to have her on the podcast to find out like why, you know, like Teaspoon is legendary and people automatically like associate the WNBA with her and vice versa. Like she's one of those people I would have loved to have just hung on to. Um And, and you know, we've seen Lisa Leslie have success, with the big three. Like, we've seen these women go, and they're doing great things. And I feel awful, and I'm just going to blame it on being sick. Um, But I feel very kind of sad because I saw her working with Zion. I'm like, wow, the impact she's getting ready to have. And I want to hold all these people for women's basketball. So I'm just going to have to take all the criticism coming my way. Don't at me.
2: <laughs>
1: Dev, how about you? <laughs>
2: I'm going to have to say, I agree. I, I'm, I'm happy, um, that those opportunities are available now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad that we keep losing the greats to the men's game. I'm a, I'm just, I'm, I pretty much have the same sentiment. Like it sucks. <laughs> like we constantly are losing all of our greats to go to the men's side. And I think, I think it's great for the men because our, our games are very different. Um, and, you know, the women's game is a lot more fundamentally sound than the men's. And I think that adds a lot. Like, she can bring a lot, um, as a developmental coach to the men's side of the game. But, yeah, I have to agree. It, it, it just sucks to see everybody wanting to leave and go to the NBA. Um, and I would love for the W to get to a point where people are able to stay. Um, and and contribute to the women's game in that way um and it still held, hold that same value um so yeah i i 100% 100% agree with is. i'm happy for it but it also sucks well, we are definitely going to do our best to get her
3: on the podcast so she can just talk about the kind of year that she's had so far. Um, we do wish her a lot of success and agreed. We hate to see so much information that could come from her that could be given to, um, the WNBA. But hey, I mean, she's a legend of the game. So I highly doubt that she's going to, you know, be completely away from players and completely away from, you know, sharing what she knows with those who want to receive it.
1: But, and um, she's down there with Swin. Keep yeah, Swin company. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they worked. They worked together with the Liberty. So I'm sure Swin was, you know, she understands her value. But um, okay, moving on to the next. Let China. Topic. China's being a little <laughs> little
3: salty right now. It's all good. Um, but on a more serious note, um, our next topic is about uh, some interesting uh, information and some unrest really um, internally that has come from the LA sparks Mm -hmm. over the last week um, as many, May realize, uh, there was already a little bit of controversy coming from that locker room when Candace Parker was benched in the semifinals. Well, our ESPN's Ramona Shelburne wrote an article that included many things that made you say, hmm, kind of raise an eyebrow. But I think one of the most interesting things about it was a speech that was given by longtime GM Penny Toller in which she allegedly used racial slurs and some other coarse words post their game two loss. Um, supposedly she had called Candace out by name and it just kind of offended some people Um Toler later admitted that she did indeed say those things that she was in- accused of, but that her intended motive behind it was to motivate the team and not necessarily to offend them. And then a day after that article was released, so was Penny Toler of her duties with the, um, with the sparks. Um We did have, quite a bit of conversation about that including um ESPN's the jump where Rachel Nichols, Richard Jefferson and Amina um, Al-Hassan had just a quick thoughts on that whole situation um let's just quickly hear from them
0: I mean, we talked about this on the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Penny Toller, Ramona Shelburne reported uh, here for ESPN that Penny Toller had used the N-word in a speech to her players. It wasn't directed toward a specific player. However, several of the players told Ramona it made them very uncomfortable, even though Penny is, of course, an African-American. What was your reaction to the fact that they fired her? Well, I mean, I, I wonder. I wonder if there were other issues At play
2: here because if it was just fire I look I'm not saying that she shouldn't be sanctioned or have some sort of
0: repercussions for what she did she was very unprofessional language in a professional environment but I don't know if that's a fireable offense for me personally. Oh, I, I think it is. But if you look at it, there were underlying things there. You look at, you know, Candace Parker didn't play much in the second half. There was a lot of things going on. There was a lot of tension in, in, in these games, in this series. And so for her to come in and do this, I think it's a fireable of sense. I think in this day and age, there are things that you can't say, regardless of who you are, and you can't direct that at an entire team. Even if it wasn't to one individual, right. you're directing it at a team. And so, is everyone on, on the sparks black is well, everyone associated like is there, well, there is no ask, reason to ever say that word in a professional state, let me professional ask you this play. if she walked into that room and said every other word every four-letter word yes but yes. not that one yes is she fired or not today uh i don't know i don't know if she's fired or but, should, should but, she have been fired no i don't think so but i think that word in any in any like professional space it, it doesn't even matter if you're african-american it doesn't matter she is a gm she nice. is a person that should hold herself to a much higher standard we look at you know some. Of the things that Danny Ferry said you know a couple of years ago there's things that are being said out there that should not be said it doesn't right. matter by who and we need to hold everyone to a higher standard now if she's having a personal conversation and if there's what that's different right but when you're addressing your team when you're addressing you know a, a franchise in the WNBA you can't talk to all of your players that way nor 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 should you talk to anybody that way
2: I, I'm not I'm not defending her choice of words I'm just saying is that a fireable offense that's the-
0: So
3: I'm going to pose the question to you, Dev. Was that a fireable offense?
2: Okay, so I thought it was interesting that she got fired after because um, I've heard of Penny giving some fiery speeches. We'll say fiery, fiery speeches before. So I don't know about using that word, but I know that she said some pretty wild stuff in her speeches. So it's not the first time. Um, so I found it interesting um, that all of this happened when it did, just because that that's not the first time it's happened. And I don't know if that had something to do with it or like, um, I mean, as far as her, like having some pretty interesting speeches, um, but uh, I, I uh I feel like I, I might I feel like I agree that in this day and age you can't say stuff like that um and I it's probably going to happen um with it coming out and her admitting it too. I think on top of the fact that it came out she openly admitted that she said it so it was like it was interesting that it happened but I don't I think it's definitely right now in this point in 2019, you're going to get fired for saying it.
1: You know, it's hard because I have a lot of respect for Penny. She's put 20 years of skin into the game. Um, You know, was the first player to score a basket in the WNBA. She's personally been nothing but kind and, and giving to me. She actually, one time we didn't even have a hotel room during the playoffs and she offered a room for me and Holly and Pam to change Um, she is a, she's a, she's a competitor. Um, and I know they've had a lot of coaching changes and different things in LA, but I, I think Penny's done a, a good job, um, in the space that she's in. When you look at the, the championships that LA has won and so on and so on. So I have a high level of respect for Penny. So this is a hard conversation to have. Um, I want to go back to a comment that the, that the gentleman making, I can't tell who was, who's saying, but that the locker room is a professional setting. The locker room is not a professional setting. I would not, I would not agree with that. I think language that you can use in the locker room, not saying the N word, but just in general language that you can use in a locker room is different than language you would, you would use at a, you know, nine to five business corporate setting, right? Like, I don't know about you, Dev, and I know, you know, I'm not saying necessarily Coach McGraw, but I know Cheryl has used some colorful (laughs) language, okay? So, and you know, I mean, coaches have said some things to me that have dropped my jaw, both as a player and just listening to, you know, different things. So I, I don't think we need to get out here and act like anything Penny said was just so outlandish now the n-word because of the time we're living in and those it's never appropriate to use that word do i think it's a fireable offense no you know I, i definitely think when you look at what penny's done on the positive side now la i guess supposedly followed that up or maybe said something about they had already been looking at making a change or whatever so if they got some other stuff in the cabinet on penny that they hadn't bought out That's one thing. And and we may never know that. But I just think that her getting fired for that, like somebody was going to take a fall for Candace Parker and and those stars getting benched, period. Right. Like we all knew, like the guy said on the clip, a lot was going on. So much was going on. They had lost. They did not win a game in the series. NECA and Candace and Chelsea didn't play in the fourth quarter. Look like Derek had kind of quit on the game. Candace getting benched you know two-time MVP like there were a lot of storylines going on so I think people were looking for a fall Um, and when I say that I mean everybody was kind of like okay what's going on over here because there's something that's not right and so unfortunately that had to be Penny and I don't know that with all that she has put into that organization that she should have been the one that was kind of like the fall guy ultimately now, there's no excuse for her to use the N-word in that setting. And you know, even if one person was offended, that's too many. And so, um, you know, that has to be addressed. But it it just I think with everything she's done that Penny should have maybe had been had to take some courses or public apology. She had already said that she apologized for using the word, but I did not think she was gonna get fired. And Um, you know, I think we're in a, in a world that we're all learning how to be better and more sensitive to things, to people, to cultures, to races, to sexual orientation. Like we're all learning, you know, like I, I still find myself saying things and I've said things that people are like, you can't say that. And I'm like, I can't, I mean, cause I, I kind of grew up with some different things, you know? And I think Penny has always been the kind of person that's very direct. Um, like, like Dev said, she, you know, her communication style is a little different, Um, again, excluding the N word, I'm not making an exception for that, but, um, it just really seemed a little bit odd the way that whole thing went down. And I just hate that Penny's legacy will now be this. And I just wish she would have had an opportunity to kind of, you know, make things right. And, um, I just think it was a, it was a byproduct of everything that had gone wrong for LA down the stretch and not just what she said in the locker room.
3: It will definitely be interesting to see what comes of this in this team afterwards, because there are still questions looming about the Sparks' future. We know that Derek Fisher is still remaining as head coach, but, you know, there have been some rumblings on whether or not there is a great relationship between him and Candace. There are um, now, you know, the search continues for who will now be the new general manager. So it will be interesting to see what the fallout from this is going to be. But I guess we can say let this be a lesson that um, no matter who you are or what you may think
1: uh, you provide or what your value may be I guess everybody is expendable huh so that is true let me just say this last thing too you got to be careful because it sounded like there were a lot of player comments in that article too like you know players a lot disappointed what happened yeah like you got to be careful letting the players after a disappointing season have like that much pull you know what I'm saying and I'm not saying that you know like you can't listen to what the players are saying but I think you just have to be very careful because people are just dis- uh, disappointed they're upset you know like sometimes it's better to kind of let things and do a full investigation and maybe LA did I don't know but I just feel like it was a difficult time. It was an emotional time and that maybe they should have like let some time go before they let Penny go. But anyway, that's just me. All
3: right, fans, where well, we're going to leave it there for our first half. But please stay right where you are, because when we come back in our third quarter, we are going to talk a little bit about Michelle Roberts and some comments that she made recently regarding pay equity in the WNBA. We'll be right back. Third quarter scouting report all right fans so we're back for the third quarter and a couple of weeks ago actually about a week ago um the Atlantic Fest had a sports and activism panel and a part of that panel um it was hosted by moderator Jamel Hill shout out to Jamel and on that panel executive director of the National Basketball Association Players Association Michelle Roberts was asked about the pay gap between the WNBA and the NBA and you know for the record Michelle Roberts doesn't have any um, say so in the W as far as um, management is concerned or um, any type of, you know, pull or say so with the CBA negotiations. But she did make some comments that our host found very, very interesting. Um, when asked about the pay gap, she said, I think we have to be realistic in some respects, is that the revenue that's generated in each game, the men's game, is just as much more profitable and generates much more revenue than the women's game does. I think the league is committed to helping it grow, but it would be preposterous to suggest that there should be a six and a half million dollar average salary in the women's game when they don't make anything near that kind of revenue that the men's game generates. She later went on to say from both my discussions with Adam Silver and And my discussions with Terry Jackson, who is the executive director for the women, that there is good faith in the negotiations. And hopefully there will be some recognition of the disparity that is realistic with China. You were very vocal about your displeasure of her comments on Twitter. So I will start with you with sharing your thoughts on what she said.
1: Well, first of all, I actually did not tweet directly about Michelle's comments. I tweeted about all the whack comments Thanks. that I had heard about the WNBA wanting to get paid as much as the NBA because as soon as, you know, that was tweeted about what Michelle said and then people were talking about it all day, so I had just had enough on the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I just said, "Okay. <laughs> I just had enough on Like people saying the wrong things about the WNBA, you know, and it is unfortunate that, you know, the conversation of the question that that Jamel asked then led to more miseducation based on what Michelle said. And it's like, okay, here is a woman that's in a very powerful position. I love Michelle Roberts. I've interviewed her before. I actually asked her to be my mentor. That's how impressed I was after hearing her speak for the first time. And, um, you know, I like her a lot. And I just think her voice is so powerful that if she uses that moment to reset the dialogue, to reset the narrative, to then say, you know what? Let's just talk about what these women are asking for. I mean, the WNBA is a is a league full of women of color. And I'm sure most of them look up to Michelle in some capacity. And so for her to be able to be a voice in that space uh, would have been great. But even coming off of that, everyone else discussing it just did not care to do their research. I'm still shooting down people in my mentions that are like, well, they can't get paid as much as the men are like this. this. this." I'm like, that's not what they're asking. You know, so I'm just kind of I think people are passive in their opinions of this topic because they're not doing the research. They're not educated. And we see the same misogyny. That we see in other aspects of our world where it's like, oh, women are asking for more, or women are asking for equal. No, that's not. You know, like, yeah, they're asking for more, but they're not asking to make what LeBron James makes and Kevin Durant makes. So I know that Jamel did come up behind it and, you know, made some points and, and, and tried to straighten it out. I thought Ted said some good things. I was just disappointed that the, that the narrative was further taken off track in this forum that really could have advanced the conversation rather than hinder it which ultimately led to more misunderstanding and uneducated comments.
2: Death. Woo, I've been waiting all week for this one. Okay. <laughs> Michelle Roberts, okay, first of all, I was past tense huge fan since she was hired in that position. I have been a huge fan. My favorite quote of all time ever in life has come from her. When she got hired and she, I think she spoke at some event and said, my past is littered with the bones of men who were foolish enough to think I was somebody that they could sleep on. My favorite quote of all time, right? And now I cannot wait to some years from now when the W gets on, because we're on track. I cannot wait for some years from now when we get on and people are getting paid the way they're supposed to be paid, and things are better, and where viewership is up, and we're getting better marketing. When I could say, our past is littered with the bones of men and women,
1: <laughs> yes,
2: to think mm-hmm. that we were someone they could sleep on, because that was beyond foolish. You are the executive director of. The NBA Players Union. You, you understand how important it is for these conversations and where they go and what people say as far as when we are in the middle of a negotiation. She knows firsthand. You said a very, very specific number: six and a half million. Who the hell has asked for six and a half million in average salary? Who? Because I don't know a single player that has asked for that. That's not even realistic. We know that's not realistic. I don't know any players that are making that overseas. So how would they make that here? We understand that. But the problem is, so I'm going to need the rest of y'all to do do your Google, do some research. There are some great pictures of equality versus equity. Look the terms up, understand what they mean, and understand the difference. We are looking for equity. How can you say that there is no demand and that there's no, it's not profitable for a product that people don't always know about. I always bring up the fact that as I, when I was playing, there were so many people that I told I played in the WNB and they had no idea it was a league. They had no idea that there was a women's NBA, as they would say, no clue, let alone the people that did know it existed, but had no idea when the season was had never even seen any type of marketing or anything that would tell them that there is a game. Like, wouldn't didn't even know where to look. How can there be demand for a product you don't know about? So, yes, that's what we're asking for. Market us better. Do more. Put in the effort if we're supposedly a quote-unquote sister lead. Put in the effort so that people know and see these games and understand and come out and can tell you when our season is. When, when people can tell you when our season is and when there are games, then we can have that conversation about it not being profitable, if, if that is the case. But even this year, we saw that the teeny tiny bit of marketing that we added increased our viewership. I mean, like, I, I just, it's so shocking that she could let something this ignorant come out of her mouth. Like, I don't even understand how that's possible to come from somebody that's so intelligent. Like, I, I know you know better than that. And it was extremely disappointing for me personally as somebody that was a huge fan of hers and I think extremely irresponsible because you know better. And then you followed it up by saying, well, I don't know, you know, I'm not a part of the negotiations. I don't know much about that. That's Terry. So why would you say something like that? If you don't know and you putting out a specific number because you know that's what people are going to go back to. Well, they asked for $6.5 So so how are they going to, Bruh, like, I just thought it was so irresponsible and ridiculous that she would say something like that on a platform like that and know that what you're saying is incorrect. Like, it's absolutely absurd, and I'm over it. I'm over her. I'm over it. So, please, you can at me in some comments. I'll tag you in some pictures so y'all understand what equity means and what it means and what. How much our viewership went up when we marketed and how Connecticut just sold out. Uh, We can, we could talk about it. I'm, I I mean, if you want to get, don't get mad at Latina, send those apps to me because I got time today. But that was absolutely ridiculous. Dev literally just dropped the mic. You see how she just piped
1: up, though? (laughs) Dev was waiting for this, okay? We should have started started off the show with this, okay? (laughs) Dev ain't never been more excited to get on the, okay? She done sat up straight, turned the volume up. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. I had to turn my mic off because I didn't want none of my (laughs) yes girls over here to slip. I was like, hold up. No, but I'm, uh, and, and that's coming from a, a player, you know, that's coming from a former player who understands the grind that they're in to make headway, who, you know, understands the CBA and, and, all, and the delicacies of everything that's happening right now. So that's some real passion. I respect that, Dev. I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely.
3: Um, with that, literally, I have absolutely nothing to say except let's head into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter,
1: Out of Bounds. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Uh-uh, really? <laughs>
3: hey, 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 We are a Disney show. You could not get the Martin Luther King version. <laughs> no, heck no. You trying to get us out here fired and set up and you <laughs> no. forgot about all these. <laughs> I can't.
2: You can't. I can't. You know we can't
3: use them uh, without licensure, Okay. All right, and I figure I figure you much rather hear them than hear me, because I would've towed it all up, okay? So I just wanted to say <laughs> happy birthday, Dev. Yeah, um, thank you.
1: It is so What is your birthday wish? What is your birthday wish? I
2: know. Um, ooh, I don't know, I didn't even think about that. Let me hit the powerball. Let me pull a Simone. Let me hit the Powerball one time or something. <laughs> Simone hit the Powerball? No, she, you know, she oh. plays, that's like her thing. She plays all the time.
1: I was about to say, about I'm about to, to be on right <laughs> <and by> now. <laughs> like, come on. Like, hey. <laughs>
2: I mean, as much as she plays, it's probably going to happen one day.
3: Oh, man. So, what did you do for your birthday?
2: Um, so I did a really adult party. We had a game night. Um, I had some people over in my place. A bunch of my friends flew in town. I had it catered. It was a lot of fun. Everybody was out by 1230. I was in bed by 130. It was great. It's my type of, night.
3: First That's of, my all, type of party. First of all, this one's talking about, I put it on Instagram. I put it up there for you to know. No, that is not an invitation. I'm not an Instagram friend. Okay.
1: You do not put it on Instagram as
3: in like, that's your invitation too. Like that I am, I am appalled and offended. It is okay.
1: Tarika was not coming out to Chicago because she was too busy getting on my nerves in Connecticut (laughs) to be out in Chicago. So don't let her. We're happy for you, Deb, that you're 30, but you know, life changes at 30, right? So I've heard. Yeah. I cried like for two weeks when I turned 30. Just oh, FYI. My- <laughs> did you? Oh my God, I did. I was depressed. Like I was seriously depressed. I sent the picture to my mom was like, just remember me this way. And, Cause I felt an immediate change, like oh, body, mind, spirit, soul, everything. And I would get to a better place when I got to like 33, 34, I started to really enjoy my thirties, but you realize that in your 20s, you were allowed a lot of leeway. I mean, a lot. You'd be like, oh, I'm only in my 20s. I'm going to hit that when I'm 30. When you're 30, that gap, everything starts to close. Like, what am I yes. doing? Where am I going? Where is my footing? Where is my 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 marriage and my kids? Like, I didn't even care about that stuff in my 20s. In my, I don't know if it's, again, hormonal, what it is, but I hit 30, and Lord, my whole little life started crashing.
3: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: Oh, that is so funny. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard that, and then I've heard it's, it's way better than your 20s. It is so much better than your 20s. Oh, it
1: is better than your 20s, but when you hit 35 is when it gets real nice. First of all, like, I you just turned 35 in August, LaChina. What you mean? Okay, well, you about to be living your best life then. That's all okay. I'm saying. Oh,
3: okay, okay. In that case then, Okay.
1: That's it. You about to be living your best life. But happy birthday, Dev. We're happy for you. Thank you. We are. We happy. love you. And we're so blessed that you have blessed our podcast with your amazing opinions and thoughtfulness and brilliance and experience and all of that. Like we're just very fortunate for you. Thank
3: you. Love y'all too. I know. You have become we a fan you. favorite. A fan favorite. <laughs> it's been a great show. Uh, please continue to continue to follow us. We are at Around the Rampod. Pod. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson. A Dev is at Ms. Peters underscore 14. I am at Sports underscore. And you can also send us an email at Around the Rim podcast at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to a great game five. So please hit us up with your thoughts. We would love to hear it. Um, If nobody has anything else, then we are out of here.
1: Make sure you watch game five, eight o'clock, ESPN 2, Thursday.
0: Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.